Hey everyone, glad to be back on the podcast. It's been a while. Just got back from Australia and there's just been a lot on the go recently, so hasn't been one for a bit, but I uh, have a unique uh, episode coming to you today. So I'm speaking with Ryan Foy and uh, we have a unique relationship in that we are both from Oxford, Nova Scotia. Uh, hadn't connected for a very long time and uh, a few months ago just kind of stumbled upon the fact that we have similar interests in a lot of things professionally. So uh, he is with Physical and Health Education Canada. He's a leader in school wellness. He's a physical educator and a two-time author. He just had a book come out called Your Best Decade. Um, really looking forward to taking a dive into that. Uh, he also owns his own consulting business called Foy Consulting. So we're going to get into a little bit about what it's like uh, growing up in a small town and how that influenced his life, how that influenced my life a little bit. And then we're going to talk about uh, his uh, two books that he's published uh, since uh, we last spoke over 10 years ago. Before I uh, get uh, get into the conversation, just uh, want to check in on everybody wondering how you're doing amidst the COVID-19 hysteria that's going on right now. Uh, it's affecting pretty well everybody, wherever you're listening. And uh, it's, a, it's a time of that's creating a lot of anxiety. Uh, might be exacerbating some depression, uh, and it's just a time that's uh, making a lot of people really anxious. There's a lot of uncertainty. Nobody really knows what's going to come of this, where it's going to go. So uh, I hope that uh, this uh, conversation will bring you a little bit of levity and, and solace at this time and you know, take your mind off of it for a bit, even though we, we do talk about it and get into it a little bit at the beginning, we, we, we get away from it uh, after the first few minutes. And uh, really, uh, there's a bit of a reveal in this in this episode. I knew that uh, Ryan had a had an interest in health, physical health, and mental health, and uh, he had struggled with some stuff in in the high school years, um, just because we're from a small town and and everybody knows everybody. So when when something uh, happens to someone, um, everybody knows and everybody cares. So uh, what was interesting about uh, Ryan's situation is that uh, he comes out and uh, discusses it for the first time in a long time. So I won't go into any more detail than that. That's Ryan's story to tell. But uh, it was such an honor for him to be vulnerable and open up again with uh, with a story that he kind of put behind him uh, in the last several years. But uh, as he mentions towards the end of the, the interview, it's important for people to just be open about their mental health. You know this if you're listening. And it's just important for uh, for men to, to talk about it because it's just di- more difficult for men to talk about uh, emotions and feelings, just the way that we're brought up a lot of times. So really important, the conversation ahead with Ryan and uh, excited to share with you the details of his new book, Your Best Decade, and uh, make sure you're uh, following Ryan on uh, Twitter if uh, you're not already at wellnessrf. Let's go. Let's get into it and uh, enjoy. Here's Ryan Foy. Pleased to welcome to my therapy, uh, Ryan Foy. How's it going, man? Good, Justin. How are you today? Good. Uh, So we'll get into some of this other... uh, other chaos is going on in this point in time in a minute, but uh, first I want to introduce you. You are a physical and health educator. Sorry, you work for Physical and Health Education Canada. Um, is that correct? Did yep, I botch this it. already? Nice, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I made some points earlier. Now I'm looking them over and I'm like, does, does that make sense? Okay. Uh, a physical educator, two-time author, owner of Foy Consulting, and uh, most in particular, uh, you are an Oxford, Nova Scotia native uh, like me, which is uh, strange. So, uh, did I get uh, did I cover everything? Anything else you want to throw in there? No, you got it. You got it all, Justin. Thanks. Uh, so, on, on the point of uh, both being from Oxford, Nova Scotia, and uh, also ties into how's this for uh, social distancing. So, um, I don't know when the last time is I talked to you. Um, we were we're a long time out of high school, and I feel like it was high school was the last time that uh, we connected. Yeah, I would say you're probably right on that one, and and I I think I'm coming up on my ten year here soon. So um, it's it's probably been a good decade that 
that we've gone our paths and and provided value to the world. So I'm I'm super excited to be on here and and I'm just super excited that that you have a platform like this to share um conversations around mental health. So so thanks for having me and thanks for all the work you're doing. It's great. Yeah. And a little bit about you and me. Like I've I've had you on LinkedIn for like a number of years and followed what you were doing a little bit, but didn't really know anything about it. Um, and then come to find out recently that we we both have a particular interest in in mental health. So when I came yeah. across when I realized that, I was like, well, you know, Ryan's doing cool stuff, and I mean, it's it's not every day that uh, someone from Oxford, Nova Scotia has uh, has the kind of platform that I guess in a way we both do. So it's it's really odd, and uh, so this is a really unique episode. I was I was really excited about doing it. Yeah, we we should just title it the reunion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, I mentioned social distancing, us being you know ten or more years apart. But uh, obviously, right now the hot topic going around is uh, is COVID nineteen, and uh, Canada's urges from the government to be uh, socially distancing at this time. And uh, one thing I wanted to bring up before we get too much further into this was uh, was a tweet that you put out the other day. So I, I had mentioned to you offline here that. The other morning I woke up and I usually get like a notification on my phone every morning about something that happened on Twitter that was somewhat relevant in the past day. And I got a notification from someone else that I follow that has no connection to, uh, as far as I know, to you, um, but said that they'd retweeted uh, Ryan Foy. So you had tweeted, dropped my wife off at the hospital this morning for a 12-hour shift. While 95% of the world is distancing from coronavirus, health professionals are putting their armor on and attacking it. My wife is a hero. And at the time, it had 5,000 retweets. I was like, what is going on? So this blew up. And now, or at least last I checked, and it might be updated since, you've got over 33,000 retweets and 347,000 likes. What What's that like to have your phone blow up like that, first of all? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a weird experience, to be honest. Like, I've, I've never, uh, I've been on Twitter since 2012. Um, but I've never went viral like that. So it was super ironic. Like, you know, I was driving Amber in that morning and I mean, it's just an ordinary day for her, so to speak. Like she, she does this all the time. Right. And, um, you know, given the situation in Canada, things are quite, quite a bit more heightened, um, and a bit more serious. But I said to her, when I dropped her off, I said, I think I'm going to send a tweet out today. You know, I'm always tweeting about, you know, health and physical education and, and well-being and personal growth, but I don't really ever really give a shout out to the healthcare professionals and, and to my wife. So I literally did that. I came home, I was writing a blog and I sent that tweet out. And next thing I know, I finished the blog and I took a look at my phone and it was just going crazy. And there was one moment where, um, you know, I texted Amber and I said, you, you, you need to like check this thread and, and see all the, the empathy and the genuine appreciation that people over the world are, are having for healthcare professionals and folks on the front lines. And, and I thought initially maybe it would stop around maybe 30,000. And then when it hit that, I thought maybe it'd stop at 80. And, and then over the course of two days, it, you know, it went way over um, a quarter of a million, almost now you might even reach a, a half million by the time it's all done. But pretty, pretty interesting experience, to be honest. And, um, and I'll share a quick highlight. That was really neat. Was actually the um, the lead actress in Grey's Anatomy, uh, Ellen Pompeo, tweeted me this morning about it, and um, and just basically said, you know, thinking of your wife, thinking of your family at this time, and and so that was pretty neat. Um, you know, there were there was a lot of great conversation and a lot of uh, influential people that were on on that thread, but to to get something like that was really neat, and and to get it from someone in pop culture that we celebrate in terms of you know a medical show um that was really neat for amber to get that so she's she was she was pretty bubbly this morning going into the hospital that's awesome and uh i was gonna ask uh i i know that you turned you said you turned off your notifications because it was just going bonkers but uh a couple of things uh first i was going to ask um was there anybody else kind of notable that that retweeted it? Because I, I just it's fascinating to me how it went off the way it did. Because that like you see those once in a while, but like I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Like I like that's that's insane. Like I'd, so as a comparison, uh, a couple of years ago, I sent it a tweet on Bella's Talk Day 
just talking about kind of a little bit about my personal uh, mental health struggle. And like my phone, I felt like blew up and it had like a hundred retweets or something, like not even close. Like it didn't come near that. So, and I was like, holy smokes. So like to have that kind of like uh, interaction with that, it just went off. Like any idea why, like, was there like a prominent person early on that retweeted that or what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, It was hard to keep, keep up to it and to know the exact moment it was going to go viral. Um, But I will say once it started hitting local politicians, uh, a lot of MLAs, MPPs, um, there was a gentleman in a riding out in Leduc, Alberta that had, I think like 6,000 or so followers who had retweeted with a comment. Um, and obviously there's a lot going on in Alberta right now with, with healthcare and physicians and front lines and such. But I think maybe at that point it started to really go viral. Um, once you engage the, the politicians, um, you know, they, they may not have a celebrity following, but they have an engaged following. And I think from there, it just kind of, it kind of went there. There was one other notable, um, person who did retweet it and engage with it, at least from what I've seen, I have to go back and, and check. There might've been more, but one was, I think um, it was Bernie Sanders advisor down in the U S. Oh, wow. um, so that was pretty, that was pretty neat. I'd never thought sending a tweet from Ottawa would make it to Bernie Sanders, but, um, but that was, that was another interesting interaction too. But yeah, just, just, you know, you can't keep up with it. It just goes crazy. And it, it kind of gave me a glimpse into uh, you know, uh, politicians, uh, lens of day to day on Twitter, what it, what it would be like for them. And, and also, you know, some celebrities that might be dealing with a lot of stuff. Like I can just imagine, um, that they have to really filter what they listen to because, uh, people all over the world can just jump in a matter of literally a matter of minutes and hours. So pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I didn't take down how many comments it had, but it had like thousands of comments as well. Didn't it? Like it's just insane. Yeah, like people all over the world, you know, from Qatar to um, India, you know, obviously the U.S. Um, and Canada, just genuine appreciation for everybody on the front lines. And honestly, a lot of people are terrified. Like a lot of people are just like, you know, um, so appreciative for, like I said in the tweet, you know, the armor that these folks are taking with them. Um, you know, they're going into the storm and everybody else is told to stay away from it. Um and in some countries right now, you know, they're, they're not even allowed to not show up. Like they have to be there and they have to be on standby. And then that includes doctors, physicians, and, and a lot of people actually came out too and talked about, you know, front, uh, front of store folks. So, you know, yeah. grocery store clerks and folks stocking shelves and the genuine appreciation that they need and, and the empathy that folks should have with them um, right now during this time was also huge. So it's pretty neat. And it seems so unfair. It's the tangent, but it seems so unfair at this time that like we're relying on these people so heavily and like a lot of those people are like the minimum wage jobs are not far from mm-hmm. it. And I'm just like, it's, it's like, I feel like there almost needs to be like a government step in there where they say, you know, we need to give these people a little bit of a boost because they're like, they're, they're kind of taking their health in their hands every day they go to work. Oh, big time. I mean, it's, it's very similar. Like if you worked, um, you know, front lines at, at an airport, international airport, as soon as you have to cross, uh, you know, the TFSA or whatever that is, TSA, um, you know, you get a bump in pay, you get danger pay, right? So it's almost like this should be the case right now where they enact some sort of a danger pay for folks that are literally doing a job that puts their health at risk, um, every single day. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but it's pretty crazy. Yeah, we have the, uh, we both have the luxury. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have the luxury of working from home. I think you do as well. Did you say that before we started recording? Yeah, yeah. Our yeah. organization um, has moved to, to working remotely just given the whole situation in Ottawa. And, and being a health-based organization, we, we want to do our part to, you know, um, flatten the curve. And uh, and we take all of our advice right from Dr. Teresa Tam, and, and she's a phenomenal leader and and well-researched and well-respected in this space so we we take her advice pretty serious nice so anyway to put a bow on on this uh intro it's uh it's nice to see a little bit of positivity uh from your tweet and the the reach that is received um it's it's nice to see a little bit of positivity coming out of a very very kind of what feels like a bleak situation right now with this uh virus going around so uh 
Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. And and again, thanks to all the healthcare workers um, that are out there. If they're listening on on your podcast, they they do incredible work. For sure. So uh, interesting segue again from, you know, it's it's been tough dealing with all the news and the updates and everything that's going on, hoping that this virus is going to go away. And so far, it isn't. Uh, it's it's important right now to uh, be resilient. And uh, topic mm-hmm. of today's conversation. Uh, because Ryan, you, you kind of work in this space and you have your own mental health story, which is why I wanted to talk to you and beyond the fact that you're from Oxford, uh, we wanted to talk about resilience. So, uh, I guess, um, where we'd like to start is, um, your upbringing and and being from Oxford and, uh, just uh, what's your story about being resilient? Yeah, so, you know, for for your listeners who aren't sure about Oxford, it's very small, about 1,300 people, Um, Blueberry Capital of of Canada, um, which is a fun fact. Um, But but yeah, growing growing up there, uh, you know, grew up in the country, grew up with with a family around me and a good support system, excuse me. Um, But I, I would say in growing up in Oxford, you you kind of grow up pretty gritty. You grow up pretty hardy and that you, you know, you learn a lot of skills that you may not learn. Maybe if you grew up somewhere else, um, you learn how to troubleshoot a lot of things. You learn how to have perseverance. Um, you know, a good example is in, in junior high and high school running track and field or running cross country or playing any sport. Uh, for the school, you know, a lot of your training is is in isolation or semi-isolation. You don't have a lot of people around you. Um, and you just really get this mentality, at least at least I got this mentality of you you are in control of um, what you want to achieve and you are in control of your results. And and so growing up in Oxford um, really really brought that out in me and, and even more so growing up outside of Oxford in a in a very rural community on a dirt road. Um, you know, you get up early and go for a run and there's literally no one out there and there's no one telling you, you got to go do it. Um, so you're, you're accountable to yourself. And, and a lot of those lessons I've, I've taken and a lot of those memories I've taken and, and tried to bring into my, my marriage, bring into my, my professional life. And of course my, my personal life here in, in Ottawa now. So it, um, great, great little place to grow up in for sure. It's interesting. You had that perspective on, uh, on Oxford and having that kind of that that started to build that resilience in you at least that's what I took from what you just said and because I in a way I almost feel like we had different uh we had different experiences that way because in a lot of ways um I don't know I just I I don't I feel like I never felt like I like I looked to like I don't know, famous people or people who have, that you view as uh, successful and uh, just kind of never considered that as a, as a, as a benchmark or anything like that, like that, like I'll never be that type of thing. That was always kind of how I felt. And uh, it's only, it's probably only since I had a real mental health breakdown that I've kind of, uh, kind of invested in, you know, personal development and I'm sort of now in my thirties coming to understand that I have more control over what I can do. And like, it's kind of that it's a little more limitless than I've made it out to be. For example, like I, I don't know how much you know about what I've done, but um, like I, I had like kind of an entry level job, but I worked for the, uh, like I was always a big Habs fan growing up. And then I went on to work for the, uh, the minor league affiliate of the Habs and like dealt directly with the front office there. And like it, and then we had like my minor league team had a game and at the bell center and I was just kind of like, I'm from Oxford. I'm not supposed to be here type of thing. Right. So, um, I kind of reflect on that and I'm like, I, I got there despite being from a place that a lot of people kind of don't leave more often than not. It seems like it's kind of like if you're from Oxford, it's a big deal to to move to Halifax or something like that, and don't you, nobody really expands their horizons. Um, do you? How do you feel about what I just said? 
I'm glad you brought that up because I actually really struggled with that exact thinking um, when I was writing the first part of my book. And I know we're going to talk about my book later, but um, you know, I knew a lot of readers were going to be from rural Nova Scotia that were going to read my book. And I wanted to pay respect to all of the people that, that helped make me who I am today. Um, but also knowing that, knowing that mentality, right? Like you left that mentality. I left that mentality. There's, there's countless others who, who did leave that mentality, but there's a lot of people that didn't. And, um, and I think that that could go to any small town, uh, really in, in, in any part of Canada, uh, at least from, from some of the towns that I've been to and been fortunate enough to visit with, with my work. But yeah, I, I think there was definitely that. I remember when I, when I left Oxford to go to university, I went to Anaganish, which was double the size of Oxford. And I thought it was a city, you know, I thought it was like crazy compared to uh, Oxford and, and then to go from there to Edmonton, which was, you know, even bigger and, and then going international and, and experiencing that just, you get this whole other perspective of the world, similar to what your experience is in sport um, that you just never thought you would probably get when you were growing up in Oxford. So I definitely relate to that a hundred percent. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm very blessed to have been in positions and I've had opportunities to, uh, to, to, to leave that and to also be in my field and in my passion area too, because I recognize that not everybody has those opportunities. So, yeah. Um, so kind of coming out of, uh, what was your experience like coming out of Oxford and then getting that first taste of, you know, being away from that small town for the first time? How did you deal with that? Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, that I really struggle with was, or one of the great things was that I was going to be able to carve my own my own path, and and that's something even today I love doing. So so I knew that that would be a lot of fun and and a cool journey. Um, but the the downside to that was. I was unprepared. I was very uh, unprepared academically. I was I was unprepared probably socially, um, and I was probably unprepared in terms of uh, when we look at things like global citizenship. You know, a lot of people when when you get to university, they've traveled international already. They've done exchanges. They've you know they they they've um, had internships maybe abroad, and and I never really had any of those opportunities. So. So I definitely remember that being a huge um, gap in in who who I was, and also um, you know what contributing to conversations and, and things like that was just really hard for me in my first year of university. And 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 on top of that, you know, I um, I'm a little quirky, you know. So and I think I think we all are, but you know, I have my own kind of uh, my own kind of quirks, and and sometimes. I, I can get really serious in conversations and, and, and things are really light. Um, and so sometimes I can turn people away. So that was, that was definitely tough. It's it, what you just said there about being not prepared just rang so true with me. I, uh, like I, and I even took a, a gap year. I, uh, I waited and didn't go to university until I was 19 and boy did, uh, did that not help? Because I was just got it was like a punch in the face, like the whole first year of university, and it was uh, yeah, I wasn't ready academically, wasn't wasn't ready socially. Just it was uh, it was a bit of a disaster, and kind of the first uh, m- that's when my first mental health challenges really started to come to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Now I had kind of dealt with it younger as well, but that's when like a lot of uh, kind of that suicidal ideation and, and things like that came in and it really affected my entire life. And that lasted for like a, a good couple of years until I decided to, to shift, uh, to shift what I was doing in, in with my education. But um, d- how did you uh, kind of deal with your mental health through those years? And uh, you know, what was your experience? Yeah, I'll I'll dive in deep on that here in a second. I will I will add to what you're saying because um, you know on, on that front that was the first time I experienced failure. You know, I I, Same, I did yeah. so well in um, in in K to twelve education in, in Nova Scotia, um, and the system is great. Um, so you know, go, going to academia from from our school. 
um, I remember failing my first paper and I remember uh, having some really, really defeating conversations with my professors. Um, And then I remember going into my first midterm and, and failing that in chemistry. And I remember having to drop out of a course in my first year. I had to sell my Xbox. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it was it was the original Xbox. And we're dating myself here, but nice. um, sold the Xbox, sold all the games just to pay for the tutor to try to even make it through that class. And um, you know, and I I barely got through my first year, and you know, second and third was was much better. But definitely, I was not ready for that level of fa- failure academically, um, from an authoritarian standpoint, and then from a personal development standpoint. I just I thought I was, you know, cream of the crop coming from uh, from Oxford, and and I learned pretty quick that um, it, it's a it's a tough world, and and academia is not easy, and, and you got to really dig. Done. So, how did your uh, how was your mental health affected by some of these challenges? Yeah, so one of the things that uh, I want to talk to you about, which I'm, I'm super glad that we've reconnected, was um, you know dating myself a little bit back from university into high school. I really struggled. I would say probably grade ten, grade eleven, and and then through grade twelve and in my first years of university, I really struggled um, with it with an eating disorder, um, and I was formally diagnosed. I believe it was in grade eleven in the fall. And at the time, I didn't really know too much about what was going on. Um, you know, I, I was young, full of resilience and grit and, um, and, and self-discipline. Um, but all of those uh, characteristics over time and, and through habit really uh, snowballed into, I guess you could put it under that umbrella of, of eating disorder. So uh, I found myself not in a really good place. And, and I found myself really um, I was, I was taken out of school. I spent three months in, in the hospital in, uh, in the IWK in, in Halifax. And, um, and it was completely foreign to me, um, you know, what, what was happening to me and, and, and socially what was happening and all of that. Um, and I can share a little bit more too, if, if you'd like, but, but one of the things from that, when, when I was able to, you know, get back out of the hospital and reintegrate into my normal life, so to so to speak. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize how long it was going to take me to fully heal um, from that, and and to recreate myself, and 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 not be defined by this disorder. And and that was something that I carried with me through high school, through graduation, and into my first few years of university. I actually remember. Um, I used to do uh, uh, telethon fundraisers for the IWK telethon, and um, and I got, I got a call from them. I think I was in my third year at Saint of X, and they asked me, you know, will you come on one more time and tell your story? You know, it was it was it was it was powerful, and um, and I remember respectfully telling telling the news and telling the hospital, you know, that from from this point on, I don't want this. Um, I don't want this disorder to define me, and 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 I feel like in a I feel in a good enough place that I can let go of this and and move on with my life. So, between that point, which was probably 2010 or 2011 to now, uh, I haven't publicly spoken about it. So, Justin, uh, this reunion conversation is um, is uh, I guess breaking that silence, and and I think it's important. You know, it's important at this stage in my life at 30 to be able to share that story with young men. Uh, especially um, because at the time when I was diagnosed, you know, it was three times more likely that that disorder was was to be um, found in in girls rather than boys. And so, in a small town, um, in a small school, no one really knew how to deal with that, and and I didn't really know how to deal with it. And and I think there's probably a lot of men out there, young men and and, and teenage boys that may struggle with that, and they don't know where to turn to, and they don't know if it's normal to feel the way they feel. And, and I think it's super important that, that they hear that on the other side of that is some amazing things and, and to just to work through that. And, and maybe I'll leave that there for now and turn it back over to you. But yeah. 
Well, thanks for that, Ryan. Uh, that's uh, I, I had no idea that you had uh, you had not spoken about this in a long time. So uh, thank you for your, I guess, vulnerability and being willing to share that again. Because um, I know just from I guess from my experience in in a different way with it with a mental health issue, like it's it it can bring up some some. Uh, kind of bad memories in a way i guess so i and uh i i wanted if you're willing to to delve on that a little bit deeper and only to the level that you're comfortable with so um by all means uh push back if you're uncomfortable but um i was just wondering uh, i'm trying to understand um your eating disorder because I, I don't know if i've had someone on the podcast before who's had an eating disorder um just trying to understand it was it for you, was it just something that you found yourself? Was it just you stopped eating or was it that something provoked it? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've obviously taken a long time to think about this. Um, and you know, the way, the way I've rationalized it and the way I've looked at it now is there's a whole umbrella, right? Even when we look at autism, autism as a whole, umbrella right of uh, or a spectrum of of uh, what that can look like and and I, I at the time I thought there was a kind of a you know you're diagnosed with this everybody has the same level of it um, but it turns out that's completely wrong you know it, it's very much case by case and it, it fits under the umbrella you know there's multiple definitions of eating disorders out there and then there's multiple levels of it and, and honestly I think a lot more people struggle with this in society than is actually known. I think in a culture that's so busy, in a culture that's so fast moving and fast food is everything and um, and convenience is everything, I think that there's there's a lot of it. You know, we rush to eat all the time. We miss meals all the time. Those are all signs of disorder eating, right? We eat at uh, crazy times of the nights if we're working different hours or we're working two jobs, which we see a lot of right now. Uh, again, that can all lead to to that. But for me, what what, what it was, was, you know, I didn't wake up one day and, and all of a sudden I had this. It was, it was um, all of those things I mentioned earlier around self-discipline and perfection and top, you know, I wanted to be the top athlete in my school uh, in what I was doing. All of those things started to spiral out of control. Um, and, and just like anything, it, there, there needs to be a balance and there needs to be um, a healthy kind of way of looking at that. But at the time for me, I didn't have the education or the understanding to know when to park my training. I didn't know uh, nutrient timing. I didn't know, you know, how many carbohydrates should I have um, after this. So, so I think it was a combination or I guess a perfect storm of a lack of education around what I was doing to my body in combination with, um, you know, malnourishment, which then happened uh, in combination with, um, malnourishment comes, uh, you know, disordered thinking and disordered thinking can perpetuate the whole thing. So it was a, it was definitely a slippery slope. It was, you know, a good three, four month downward spiral. And, and on the back end of it, I found myself at, you know, a hundred and whatever pounds and about four days away from probably not being here today on this podcast. So, um, you know, I got my parents to thank and, and all of that to, you know, get me in when they got me in and, and all the people that were around me to support me. But, um, but yeah, I, I guess to answer your question, it wasn't just a, you know, a one day kind of thing. It was, it was a, a lifestyle that, that began to spiral out of control. And then uh, from that, a, a disordered mindset, there was just really a, a lack of education, lack of body awareness and understanding and, and, and self-empathy and self-compassion and all those things that, that I now have as an adult that I just didn't have at the time. Um, you know, all, all of that really contributed. On that last part, you mean like you were kind of like hard on yourself to just push yourself a little bit further and a little bit further? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm still like that now, but obviously a lot, um, a lot healthier with, with all of that. A little more um, self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the time, you know, you just, you, you know, I had that mentality, like Navy SEAL mentality, you know, um, you know, put, put, run, run until you puke, you know, uh, push as hard as possible, um, you know, rest for the week, all, all that stuff. Right. And, and a lot of that was just me, right. Just perpetuating those, those philosophies and, 
and um, wanting to be different, you know, wanting to carve my own path, wanting to be me and be independent and all that stuff, you know, that comes with being a teenage boy or a teenage girl. And, and, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of denial because I was like, no, that, this is what happens to girls. Like this just doesn't happen to guys. Um, but tur- you know, it turns out there, there are a lot of young men that, that do struggle with it. So, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because I, one of the, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast was because, um, I'm kind of inspired a little bit by uh, like someone like Michael Landsberg, who, like, wants to kind of start that conversation in an unconventional way like and what i mean by that is i don't think enough men are talking about uh mm-hmm. mental health so that that's kind of why i wanted to start this and and that's i'm not completely focused on men but like a lot of i, ha- I have a lot of uh guys in the podcast i talk to a lot of it's usually sports related i've had a few uh, athletes on so um it all kind of wraps into what uh, what I'm trying to achieve here. So uh, thanks I, again. Thanks for being open and willing to share that. And I hope I didn't uh, I didn't uh, position a question in in, a, in an insensitive way or anything like that. But uh, I just uh, honestly, I'm just a little bit ignorant to to uh, to uh, eating disorders. I just didn't. Uh, I wasn't quite sure how to frame that question. When I'm I'm glad that uh, you were willing to share. Yeah, yeah, all good. And and you know what. It's similar in the sport world to concussions, right? Like we don't, concussions are an unseen injury, right? The the, the person that has the concussion knows it and, and they're dealing with it. But, uh, you know, if they walked through the mall, you would never know, right? And and, I, and that the same goes with mental health or mental illness. And um, and the same goes with eating disorders, right? I mean, sometimes they're, they can they can get so severe that it's it's physically noticeable, but there's a lot of people that that um, you know have have a variation of that or fall would fall under that umbrella, and it's just not seen. And so where it's not seen, it's not talked about enough. So I appreciate you having the podcast, Justin. It's great. So uh, we've talked about your your upbringing, uh, kind of your uh, your struggle with with your eating disorder, and then kind of your struggles going through uh, the beginning of university and it's impressive how all of these challenges have rounded you into what you're doing with your professional career now. So um, can you just talk about how that kind of formulated into what you wanted to do, how you got educated and where you went from there? Yeah. You know, when you were reaching out to me and we were talking about this podcast, the, the title that came to mind was return on resilience because it, you know those things I just mentioned around you know self-discipline, determination, and and perfectionism, and and be the best kind of mentality. Really, uh, once once I was able to garner the education, and um, you know, and I have university to really thank for that, um, to understand how the body works, to understand how the mind works, and to understand how um, you know how to have things like self-compassion, empathy, and 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 knowing where you're at in the universe. I was able to take all of those those things about me and really build a life and 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 now build a family and and build a career and so it's it has been amazing it hasn't always been easy for sure uh, you know I, I think when i look back at my 20s there's been sometimes i probably made decisions that um you know weren't the best for my career or, or weren't the best for relationships um weren't the best for for family um but i think you know be coming from where I was at, at 16, 17 years old to where I am now, I, I have nothing but smiles and nothing but, uh, but love and, and happiness for all of the, the lessons that I've learned along the way. And, you know, there, there's countless ones. I mean, one, I think one real, real piece, uh, lesson I took from that chapter of my life, I guess you could say was just a never give up mentality. Um, and I brought that into, into my marriage and, and my, and my wife, Amber, she'll tell you like, I'll come, you know, something will come up and, and we'll be around the house and I'll say, never give up. We're never out of the fight. We're always in the <laughs> fight. And, uh, you know, that could be, you know, negotiating a, a car sale that could be, um, you know, talking about, you know, going back to, um, to school someday or, you know, it could be anything, but, but we, we just have, we brought that in, into our conversations which is which is kind of funny right carrying that forward but um but yeah it's definitely been been a a learning curve for sure 
Uh, off the top, I mentioned that uh, you're a leader in, in school wellness, you're a physical educator, uh, you're an author, and you, and you have your own business, Foy Consulting. So um, what what uh, what does this all how do these things all uh all interact and you know what what is it that uh, that uh, you're you're doing in your everyday life yeah so in in university i really had an inkling to to educate right i really wanted to provide education and of course movement being a critical part of my life i landed in physical and health education and um and i have some great mentors to thank for that um and so that, that's kind of led me to this field. So my, my full-time position is uh, with PHE Canada here in Ottawa, where I lead special projects and campaigns, say, around mental health initiatives in schools or, um, you know, uh, de- developing different projects and incubating those projects and then scaling those projects across uh, multiple schools and school jurisdictions in Canada, which is a lot of fun. And I really love doing that kind of work. So Ottawa has been a, been a great fit for that, and Peachy Canada has been a great fit for that. Um, I will talk about my book here in a second, but the the cool thing uh, that I've discovered over the past few years is that I really like the side hustle, um, <laughs> and and it's it's funny because it's not it's not it's not it hasn't been forced on me. I just really enjoy it, and I think it goes back to you know growing up in Oxford, wanting to carve my own path. I'm still kind of doing that now, and so. You know, over the past few years, I, I've been doing that, and and in that side hustle, you know, I sat down last summer and I had a chat with my wife, and I said, you know, I think I should make a, a business. Like, I think I should actually have, um, you know, a, a formal business on the books and and actually provide these consulting services that I'm already doing. I just haven't actually defined it as that. So, so she agreed, and she was like, "Yep, yeah, let's do it." So, so last uh, August, I created formally on the books, um, Foy Consulting. And, and essentially the organization, Justin, is is around helping organizations and individuals move from good to great. And, you know, right now I have a client who's trying to build his business and understand his place in the market and um, and really scale his business to a, you know, to a point where he wants to sell. And so he's brought me on to consult with that and, and to help him through that process, which has been amazing. And had some other clients as well, um, you know, doing some social media consulting to grow their business and and looking at their ROI and their ROE and things like that. So that's been a lot of fun, and um, and and I have done a little bit of personal training as well, which I've kept as one part of the business. But um, but I, I think I I think I'm enjoying really moving into the business side, helping other businesses, small and medium size, uh, grow and, and develop, and then helping those leaders really establish themselves and establish um you know their their mindset right um you know businesses grow and die on 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 mindset and and um and i i'm happy to help businesses with that so that's been a lot of fun and growing that over the past uh almost year now nice uh you're, it sounds like you're a busy guy you got a lot on the go uh want to talk about your your book so um you have a new one but uh let's go in uh, chronological order here and you you wrote uh your first one's called thought leadership how great thinking produces lifelong wealth can you tell us about that one yeah so um a couple years ago i took a uh, teaching sabbatical over in in the middle east so i was living in abu dhabi which is an incredible place uh definitely check it out if any of your listeners are travelers after all the scares over it's a great place um but i was over there and i was doing a lot of writing and i was writing on a on a platform called medium which is a great uh article publishing platform for freelance writers and and I, I had this idea and I was writing my second book at the time and I was like, you know, I probably should write a f- another book. Like I, I, I have a lot of really cool ideas that don't really fit into this big book that I'm writing, but I could probably put them into a smaller version and, and, and self-publish it. So, so I did, I, you know, I messaged all of the publications that I was writing for on medium and just gave him a heads up, you know, I'm going to be stepping aside for a little bit. I'm going to be, you know, taking these, basically these articles that I would be publishing for free on Medium and, and I'm going to turn them into a book with this common thread of, of thought leadership, which is essentially, you know, we, we can create the life we want with the thoughts we have and, you know, that they can be powerful or they can be detrimental. And, um, 
and so that that's now uh, an ebook that that is up and um, and that was a lot of that was a lot of fun to write, but it was it was a lot smaller than uh, your best decade, which is the which is the second one. But in any case, it was it was a lot of fun, and and that one is um, uh, yeah, like I say, an ebook on my website. If I backtrack a little bit, um, my like I've been kind of what's consistent in my career has been writing. Um, I've never written anything in long form. Like, how did you go about, uh, you know, what, what made you want to write a book and then kind of what was the process for you? You know, I'll tell you, it was great. So, um, this, in writing the second book, um, your best decade, I was actually driving, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a timeline for your listeners. So before I had went to Abu Dhabi, I was living in Alberta and um, I was driving up to a, uh, to, to a Tim Hortons in Slave Lake, Alberta, which is north of Edmonton. And I pulled over, you know, these thoughts just kept coming to me organically of, of chapter titles of what, what can go in my book. And, and so I was getting, you know, got my phone out, was recording all those. And then, um, you know, drove to the Tim Hortons. Once I parked up at that Tim Hortons, I finished the finished the thought of all the things I wanted to get on paper. And that was the day, I guess, that I decided I was going to write the book. And it wasn't, it was pretty much three years from that point that it took me to produce it. But, um, but I knew, you know, I had a great mentor at one point come into my life that said, you know, Ryan, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily an author, but I have a story to tell. And he went on to author a book and and I remember thinking of that at the time, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not an author yet, but maybe I have a story to tell. And, and I just took that and went with it and, and took my chapter ideas and went with it. And, and I'll share this funny story too, Justin, because there's so much I could talk about, about the writing process. It's incredible. Um, there's so many highs, so many lows, but I never had a title. I never had a title of the book and I was writing and writing and writing and just keeping it organic. And uh, my dad had texted me and he goes, well, do you have a title of it? Because I told him, you know, I'm almost done. And, and, uh, and I said, no, I, 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 uh, I don't have a title. And he's like, well, you got to have a title. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, okay, I'll think on it. I'll think on it. So I'm like, you know, thinking really hard, right? Like trying to come up with a really creative title, pushing the organic process. And I was like, okay, nothing's coming. So I'm just going to leave it. So it was literally the last page of the last chapter that I came up with the title of the book and I just knew it. It was just like, you know, it's just like falling in love. Like you just know. Right. And, and I, I fell in love with the title and I was like, this is going to be it. This is going to be amazing. And all of this writing to this point totally fits with this. So I came up with the title at that point at the end of the book. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, man, that's, that's, uh, that's really cool. And, um, What's funny, I'm, I'm remembering now, because uh, it's been a while since we uh, first uh, decided we wanted to do this, and uh, what what made me reach out to you was uh, another guy from Oxford, uh, Nick Rushton, uh, wanted to know where you could find my podcast, and I was like, here you go, and then he said, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to uh, to Ryan on another one right now, and uh, he's, in, he's in the mental health and stuff, and he just wrote a new book, so, and then I went and, and looked that up. And I see the title is your best decade. And then I was just like, that, that just seems so in line with what uh, I've been doing in the new year. Um, I've gotten really into uh, Robin Sharma. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I just watched the uh, the Tony Robbins doc on Netflix. And uh, I'm just trying to, you know, figure out how I can, you know, change my mindset and stuff like that. And I was like, man, that is so on, uh, on I guess my at least my trend right now, like uh, what and everything I'm trying to find out. So, um, just a little backstory to why I wanted to reach out to you in the first place. Uh, so I'll, I'm gonna have to check it out. So, what can, uh, what's your best decade about? What can people find in it? Yeah, so it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a toolkit essentially. So, you know, how, how do, how do we get the, the strategies and the tools that we need to create not only our best day or our best week or best year, but our best decade, you know, no one or not no one, but, but there's a lot of people that don't talk about that. They, you know, there's a lot of, you know, this is going to be your best day. This is going to be your best day or, you know, live your best life. But, but what if we looked at 10 years and what if we focused in on 10 years because 10 years is long enough that it's long term 
but short enough that it's achievable. And, and so that's, that's the whole idea of narrowing in on, on the decade language. But essentially the, the first half of the book is, is a lot of personal excavation, a lot of what you and I are even talking about right now. And, and, you know, what does it mean to realign your values? Or if you don't really know what your values are determining those values, what does it mean to live with intentionality? And what if I don't have intentional living in my life? Like, how can I, how can I be more intentional? And so I talk readers through that. And then one of the things I talk about is similar to what I shared earlier around mistakes I've made in my twenties. I talk a lot about legacy is greater than resume. So, you know, what, you know, you see a lot of young professionals come out and, and, you know, they're really focused on the resume, but what about your legacy? What legacy are you leaving behind? Something as simple as what you're doing with a podcast like this, this is going to live on and on and on. And, and we it scares need to the shit out of me these. sometimes, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. And, and so that, that's kind of the first half of the, the book is just really getting this, getting your bearings on, on where are you at as a person in the universe in this decade. And the, you could be in the middle of the decade. You could be um, obviously 2020 being the start of a, a of a, um, you know, a, a timeline decade, I guess you could say. But that's that's the first half. The second half is where the I, I like to say the dirty work happens. You know, you're I've wrote it in a way that the second half is more of a workbook and it's active. You know, you're you're able to write in it. I left space and I left prompts and questions to really get the readers to actually form what is their best decade going to continue to look like or to start look like. And so we get real deep in one of the chapters that talk about burning boats. And, um, and the analogy of, you know, sometimes you just got to burn the boats, whether it's relational or professional, you know, you just got to quit that job or you just got to let that person go, or you just got to let that thought leave, um, and, and really own that and, and move forward in confidence with that. So I talk a lot about that and getting dirty with that. And then one of the other chapters I talk about, which is, it's kind of ironic given the time that we might be facing with a, you know, with a potential, recession is, you know, abundance thinking, um, and, and blue ocean strategy thinking in that, you know, a lot of times it's so easy to get a fixed mindset. It's so easy to resort back to what's comfortable. And it's so easy to think about what we don't have and, and what we're not capable of rather than thinking about, you know, there's an endless opportunity out there. There's, uh, you know, endless doors and windows if that door is shut and, and to explore all those options and to really, get the reader engaged in their life to really think critically about that and make decisions uh, with a new mindset. So there's a lot of work in there. Um, and, and it, it was a lot of fun to write. And, and I purposely designed it that way because, you know, I wanted to meet readers where they're at, Justin, and that not everybody is going to be at a Tony Robbins level or a Robin Sharma level, even though they're incredible thought leaders uh, and game changers in the world. You know, some people, are literally, you know, living month to month. Um, some people just dealt with the death of their family. Some people just lost their job. And if they pick up this book, this might be an entry point to Robin Sharma. This might be an entry point to a Tony Robbins. And, and we need to meet those readers where they're at. So that, that's why I designed it in, in a way that hopefully meets those individuals there and, and helps open up this whole um, door to what you just mentioned on personal growth and, and kind of self-discovery, which is incredible journey. So that's, that's awesome. And, uh, what I really like is that what you just described is what I would have inferred is what I did infer from the title and the title caught my eye that I, it looked like something I wanted to read, even if I didn't know you. So that's, uh, I think you're onto something there. That's really cool. And I, I should just say that it's, it's so wild to me that we went separate paths um you know we weren't it's not like we were close or anything in school like you're a couple years younger than me you're actually uh, you're you're my brother's age we just went on completely different career paths but then without knowing we we were we're almost in in some ways in a similar place right now you're writing this i want to this is kind of the thought process i've been trying to go through in the past couple of months so it's it's really uh interesting that we're also from the same small town of a thousand people and uh this is all just coming together in a really weird way for me <laughs> yeah it's it's the convergence right it's it's the passion and the profession meeting together it's great yeah uh 
so uh, what's next, and, and how can people uh, check out uh, what else you're doing? Yeah, so I, I will say, given the the situation right now that's happening across the world, I decided on the weekend that your best decade. Um, I don't have a lot of control over the the the, the price of the book with a, with my publisher, but on Amazon, I do have it on Kindle. So what I did is I was able to offer it for free this week. So for any of your listeners that are listening to this, um, if they have an e-reader or Kindle device, they can get the book there for free, which is amazing. Um, and then they can also, if they want a paperback version, get it. It's an Indigo now, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. But, um, but in terms of what's next, um, actually this week I'm, I'm going to do a, a webinar as part of kind of a mastermind series with some other educators across the world around self-care during this time. So I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the book and, and sharing uh, kind of more in-depth um, pieces around those chapters I just mentioned. So I'm going to do that. And then, I don't know, I, th- I think some of, the, some of the other big things on the horizon this year, I wanted to do more podcasts like this. I think uh, I, I really, uh, as much as I'm an introvert, I'm, I'm also an extrovert at times. So I really enjoy these conversations. And and I actually have a uh, uh, a speaking engagement coming up in Bali in June, as long as uh, you know travel restrictions yeah, and everything. Yeah, that one might be a little dicey, <laughs> right? So I'm really hopeful that that one will still go because it's uh, it's actually at a health and wellness retreat, which would be incredible, uh, would be an incredible experience. But um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm also playing around with uh, some other speaking ideas and some other platforms on the East Coast, so. Um, folks can just, I guess, stay tuned on Twitter and Facebook to see what, what's going to happen next. Nice. Well, you're always welcome here. This was a really fun conversation. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to cover that we didn't? Yeah, I I think I would, you know, I I think I want to come back to just my point around, you know, if there's folks out there that are struggling with mental health, um, you know, especially at this time when we're, we're all about you know, social distancing, that doesn't mean uh, spiritual distancing, distancing or emotional distancing, you know, reach out, call somebody, talk to somebody, um, you know, lean on somebody, be vulnerable with people. um, And and empathy is going to go a long way to get through all this. And, and, you know, not just for people that, that don't struggle with mental illness but for people that do that are now adding another layer of potential anxiety or um frustration or emotion that's going to come from from some of the outcomes of this this situation i i just want to encourage your listeners to reach out and to keep the keep the dialogue going and to open up with people that they trust and that they're close to because mental health is is important and and guys talking to other guys is super important and being vulnerable with with other men is, is really important. That's some, that's some great advice, man. Uh, and, and finally, how can, uh, how can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah. So, uh, you can check me out on, on Facebook, just type in Ryan Foy, um, and on Twitter at, at wellness RF. And then my website as well. Uh, people can engage with me through the chat box on there, which is just foyconsulting.org. Um, and that's all linked on my, on my Facebook and on my Twitter account as well. So people can definitely reach out, engage, you know, I, and I wrote that in parts of the book. I actually put my email in there for people to email and and create conversation. And a lot of people have, which is amazing. And, um, and I think we just need to have more conversation at a time that's, um, you know, very, very vital for humanity. I think we need to be talking. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate your time. I love what you're doing. And uh, I'm going to follow you a little more closely so uh, so I don't lose complete track of what you're doing over the next 10 years. So I'll, uh, I'll be paying more attention for sure. Thanks, Justin. I, I really appreciate everything. All right. Uh, I, I butchered the intro, but I think we ended on a good note. Well, that was pretty cool. And... Uh, really nice to catch up with with Ryan and have uh, have a chance to see what he's doing with his uh, with his life and that he's writing books that's this crazy um, it's been a while anyway uh, make sure like he said check him out on Twitter at wellness RF and uh, I think that's it so as for me get me on social media at 
J-D-I-C-K-I-E on Twitter. And uh, I'm on Facebook Messenger under my real name as well. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Let's keep this thing pumping. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Oh, and stay inside! <laughs>